Well, good morning. I'm excited this morning as we are in the zone. Turn to your neighbor or turn to yourself or look up to heaven and say, in the zone this morning. In the zone. In the zone. In the zone. And in the zone means so many different things for so many different people. And how many of us know there are uh, seven days in a week, correct? Not complicated. There's 24 different time zones, 24 different time zones, seven days in a week. And I wonder how many times in a day, in a moment, we could travel, we could circulate through these different zones, comfort zone, fear zone, learning zone, and growth zone. And I wonder how many moments and how many circumstances and how many minutes in a day could we just travel and we just say, I'm, I'm just going to be in my comfort zone right now. I'm going to be safe and controlled, not letting anybody in or the fear zone. I'm going to find excuses. I'm going to be affected by other people's opinions. I'm lacking a little self-confidence right now. I wonder how many times in a 24-hour period can we travel through the zone and God calling us to be not consistently inconsistent Christians. He's calling you to be consistently consistent. God needs us today in 2022. You know, there's going to come a time in America, it's happening all over the world where Christians are being radically persecuted. And, and if you've been a Christian for some time, you will know that we definitely face more persecution now than what we used to. If you want to be vocal about God, you will face persecution in America. If you want to be vocal about love, if you want to be vocal about truth, then you will face persecution. And it will only grow and intensify as time goes on. And as time goes on, it's so crucially important that we all become consistently consistent Christians, no matter what we're going through. No matter what mood, no matter what feeling, no matter what motion, no matter what is going on, that we become consistent in our faith. And so we're following the story of a young man, 17-year-old, and his name is Joseph. Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 12 this morning. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open it up and read along. It's a New Living Translation, and if not, it is on the screen. Soon after this, Joseph's brother went to pasture their father's flocks at Shem. And when they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shem. Get ready, and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from the home valley of Hebron. Verse 18, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance, and as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him. Let's throw him in one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben, the oldest, heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue, and he said, let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into the empty cistern here, here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. When Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. When they grabbed him, then they grabbed him, threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and they saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum and balm and aromatic resin from them down to Egypt. 
You know, this morning, there's so many different zones. I mentioned 24 time zones. And this morning, as we, we started this thing, we've looked at a comfort zone, the fear zone, a learning zone, and a, and a growth zone. As we talk about truth this morning, understand that there is an absolute battle for truth. Every day, every hour, every moment, there is a battle for the truth, not just what's true to you. We know that there is right and there is wrong. There is black and there is white. There is an absolute truth. And there is a battle every day, every hour, every moment for the truth. Number one, for us to speak the truth. For us to speak the truth. We know that in the last days, Paul said to Timothy, time's coming. People do not want to listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They're going to follow. Listen, they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and they'd rather chase after myths. I could stand up here and tell stories all day long. I could stand up here and I could crack jokes, but that's not what God created me for. He created me to speak the truth. And sometimes in speaking the truth, you can create friends and you can also create enemies because not everybody wants to hear the truth. There is a battle for every one of us in here to speak the truth. The truth is the only thing that helps ourselves. The truth is the only thing that helps our friends. It is the only thing that helps our neighbors. Being encouraging does not help. Being friendly does not help. Giving love, sometimes it doesn't help. There's only one thing that sets people free, and that's the truth of God. You know, in every church service, there's a battle to speak the truth. There's a battle to receive the truth. This morning, every one of us this morning, you will be battling to receive the truth. Every time the word of God is open, it says this is seed that goes into the ground. This is the seed of truth that goes into the ground. And he says, my words will never pass away. But Jesus also said in a parable, he said that soon as the seed gets planted, what does the enemy come and do? Try to steal it from your heart. The minute the word of God goes out, the enemy is already in your mind trying to tell you don't listen don't believe it it's not true it's not for you when the word of god is open every single waking moment there is truth that can be received for every one of us don't let the enemy lie to you don't let any person lie to you the word of god speaks and stands on its own and by itself and there is a battle as the day gets closer as the night comes closer there is a battle for what truth because in the end what do people do they don't want to go to churches where people speak the truth they rather go sit in a comfortable little building with good air conditioning and the preacher doesn't mention truth there is a battle for truth. There's a battle for what we speak, and there's a battle for what we receive. Jesus said, John 8, 31, to the people, you are my true disciples. If you remain faithful to my teachings, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The greatest thing that God puts you here to do is to be free. We have a world today that is so consumed with selfishness. We have a world today that is so consumed with self. What did the devil do? He, he positioned himself and he thought that he was better than maybe even God. He set himself above. What is the devil trying to do? And every one of us set myself above my feelings, my desires, my this, my that, my this, my this, my way or the highway. There's a battle for truth, to speak it and to receive it. 
I love how Joseph or Jacob says to his um, son, he goes, I want you to go check on your brothers. Isn't this so sweet of his dad? He had to walk, maybe he had a donkey, but it was about 40, 60 miles. How many of us this morning say, I'm ready to go on, you know, maybe there's a couple of us, I'm ready to go on a hike that's 40, 60 miles, right? I can do it. Yes, send me. But I'm kind of thinking that most of us in this kind of heat, in this kind of summer weather, we'd think, ah, I don't think I want to walk 40 miles today. I don't think I want to walk 40 miles this week. Can I wait till November, December when it's a little cooler? Go check on your brothers. Yes, it's a little hike. But you notice what, what Joseph says? Okay, Dad. Here I am. You can send me. No matter the love and hate relationships he had in his life, no matter that he was so loved and so spoiled by dad, but he was so hated by 11 other people. He had 11 other people. His dad had four wives. Joseph's mom died. So there was three other moms that were in the house. Do you think for any, any minute that those ladies treated him like his own mom? How many of us know step-parents? Do all step-parents treat their step-kids with the best love and respect? Not all the times, right? We all know people, and we all know stories, and we all know families where step-parents sometimes, they're just rude because it's not their own son. It's not their own daughter. Joseph, this is the house that he grew up in love and in hate. But you know what? Every time daddy asked him to do something, he was faithful. He was obedient. He was not afraid, even if it meant to be persecuted. Okay, dad, send me. I will go. I'll walk 40 miles. I'll go find those boys. Do we not think that this is odd for the dad who said he knew that nobody liked him? His dad knew nobody else in the house liked him. He was the only one. He knew. He knew that Joseph already ratted out the boys. They were doing things they shouldn't be doing. His brothers had been bad for a long time. His brothers killed people. They did things they shouldn't have done. Joseph ratted them out. Little kid. Isn't it not odd can we stop and think for a second? Sometimes life is odd. Have you ever sat back and thought about things that are odd? Why is Christianity so hated today? Why is the Bible so hated today? Why is it that if we speak the truth, why is that so hated today? And here's the one. Now I'm not going to say it. Why is it that Christianity in itself, it just bothers people? It bothers people's lifestyles. It bothers what people say, what they do. The truth, Christianity. Is it not odd? Any other religion to people, they don't care. Any other religion can be accepting. But when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to God of the Bible, why does this bother people more than anything? Like Joseph in the story, who's also a picture and a symbol of Jesus Christ. Why does his dad send him out into the world that's completely hateful? Why is that not odd? They see, they see Joseph coming, and they say, well, here comes that dreamer. Here comes that dreamer. It's nothing like being in a big family and your, your brothers already have so many names for you. It's not to mention the sisters, right? But they just mentioned the boys in this story. And when they said dreamer, that, that word there meant dream master, and it meant the dream expert. Now, Joseph at 17, he shared a dream with his brothers, with his dad, 
He didn't interpret the dream. He just spoke it out. But to them, they're in their minds, they started thinking, this guy is a dream master. He's the master of dreams. He is a dream expert. They had so much hate in their heart. They had so much bitterness in their heart. They had so much jealousy in their heart that now it was all going to unfold. Everything that they felt in this moment up to this point was now to, about to unfold because they said, here's the plan. We're going to grab him. We're going to take his coat. And then we're going to murder him. This wasn't, a, this wasn't a distant cousin. This wasn't somebody from a different religion or group. This wasn't somebody from a different state. This wasn't somebody that was weird or awkward, like a homeless man wandering around their, their house. This was their living blood, their flesh and blood. Their flesh and blood, their own brother, the youngest. Yes, youngest are usually more spoiled. But everything in their heart, their jealousy, their bitterness, their anger, and their hatred now comes out in their master plan. Let's grab him. Let's rip off the coat. We're going to kill him, and then we're going to throw him in a hole in the ground. Wow. Their own brother. You know, one out of 11, Reuben, the oldest, stuck up for him, and he said, you know what? Let's not kill him. He's a sweet little kid. He's handsome. We don't want to do it like that. How about we just throw him in the hole in the ground? We'll leave him. He can starve to death. But the Bible says he did that because he wanted to rescue him later. And you know why Reuben wanted to rescue him later? You know, for Joseph, when he was given that coat of many colors, the coat, the color, the length, it stated your identity and your position. And when dad gave him that coat, he went to Joseph and said, you are my firstborn. Wait a second. Reuben was his firstborn. But when he gave him that coat, that replaced Reuben, the firstborn, and Joseph now with this coat, with this authority, with this power, was the firstborn son. Why would the firstborn who was replaced, why would the firstborn want to do this? You know, Reuben made a number of mistakes in his life, just like many of us this morning. Reuben did some things that were gross and, and just disgusting, downright disrespectful to his father. He did things to other people. He did things to his dad and people that were close to his dad. And so for this young man, the oldest, who was replaced by the youngest, he wanted to right the wrong. He wanted to right the wrong. Many of us this morning, there are things that we've done wrong that we have not made right. There are things and people that we've done wrong. There are things, and none of us are perfect, right? You know what I love about Christians? We're so quick and easy to point out our finger to say, you're hypocritical, you're hypocritical, you're judgmental, you're da 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 But you know what? If we're honest, every single one of us are. Every single Christian can be hypocritical. Everyone can be judgmental. For some reason, this beautiful human nature that we have, how many of us we can spend hours gossiping about other people. We all can spend hours gossiping and talking about other people. It is so easy for every one of us. That makes you hypocritical. Jesus said if you break one of the laws, you're guilty of them all. We all can break God's law. There's no one in here that's perfect, right? None of us. And it's sad in this story, but it's a beautiful picture that for Reuben, he wanted to make right what he did wrong. And you know, it's, it's never too late. 
There's relationships, there are people, there are things that we have done wrong. And I want to encourage you this morning, and I also want to ask, if there is anything that you've ever done wrong, ask God, how do I make that right? If there's any person that I've ever done wrong, God, how do I make that right? God, how do I fix this? Like Reuben in this story tried to fix what he did wrong. So they grab Joseph and they rip off his beautiful coat. They rip off the authority. They rip off his favor. They rip off the identity, the status, and his position in the family. You know, there's so many of us. This is what, what's so awesome about human beings. How quickly we are so quick to be jealous and envious of other people. Right? Isn't that not in the Ten Commandments? You don't need to look at your, what your neighbor's got. From the very, 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 very beginning, we as people, so jealous, so easily bitter, so easily full of envy of what other people have, never taking a stop to just say, you know what? Man, I don't need that. I'm thankful for what I got. The coat, this is the thing that stood out, the special gift from daddy. This is the thing that symbolized all of dad's love. This one gift, this coat that spoke of so much authority and power and favor and love. What's the first thing they did to him? They ripped it to shreds. So jealous of a gift. You know, every one of us, I guarantee and I know that we've all been jealous of other people. I know that we've looked around the world and we've seen things that, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. I could use that right now. You know, with our phones and smartphones and social media, it's now more than ever. Because how many people screw th scroll through their phones saying, yep, I need that. Yep, I want that. Yep, I need that. Yep, I want that. So easily do we become full of envy. But look at what they did to this poor young man. The very thing that they hated, the very symbol of what they hated, what did they do? They ripped him off. They stripped him of his coat. They grabbed him. And what they do, they threw him in a hole in the ground. This hole was made to hold water. Thankfully, it was empty. This hole that he was thrown into, he was ripped of his coat, grabbed and thrown down into this hole. They took the dreamer and they said, what will become of his dreams now? What will become of his dreams now? Is it a bad thing to dream? Is it a bad thing for people to have dreams? Do, have you ever noticed that people who have great dreams are so hated? Why? Why is it that great men with great dreams and women, why is it that they become so hated because there's some dream that God has so filled their heart? Why is it men going back 50 years, 100 years, 2,000 years, why is it to have a dream, to be possessed with some desire for something to do, a God-given dream? Why is it that people, have you ever, ever noticed, why is it that people hate the dreamers? Why? God wants us to dream. God wants you to dream. God wants you to have hope. God wants you to have an excitement about something that he created you for. And then what I love about them ripping off his coach, stripping him down, throwing him in a hole, you know what they did soon as they did this? Let's eat. Pass the chicken. Give me some watermelon. Give me, give me some coleslaw. Can you believe this? Soon as they, this is their flesh and blood. I mean, now I don't know about you. 
I eat through different circumstances. There's, there's time where, where I stress eat. How many of us know sometimes when you're stressed out, sometimes you can just pile it in. It's like, I'm stressed right now. Just going to throw it in. We know that there's depressed eating, right? And when we're depressed, that's some of the best chocolate eating times ever, right? There's times where our body is so hungry, it doesn't matter. We'll eat anything. You know what's crazy I heard in 2030 in Canada, they want to replace meat with bugs. In 2030, they want to replace meat with bugs. So be careful. Eight years from now, if that happens in America, it's called the 2030 plan. You can Google it. 2030. See what they want to do to the world. 2030. Simply Google what they want to do to the whole entire world. Instead of a hamburger, we're going to have worms. Woo! There are people who want to take control of the entire world. They want to dictate to you what you eat. They want to dictate to you what you want to wear. Don't believe me? Just Google 2030. These boys in the story just about murder their brother. And what do they decide to do? Let's eat. Ah, I don't see how. How could you be so angry, so full of hate? And then, ah. You know, for the brothers in this story, they battled. They battled for what they saw. Because they knew that their dad's love, it blinded him. But what they didn't see is that their hate now blinded them. These boys battled for what they were seeing. They battled for what they heard. Because no matter if dad said, I love you, Reuben, you know what? I guarantee Reuben didn't hear it. Even though, yes, it's clear, it's written that Jacob did love Joseph more than anybody else. I guarantee you, he still turned to his sons and said, I love you. But you know what? Even though he said, I love you. They didn't hear it. There was such a battle for what they would hear in their ears because now hate had taken them over. The hate, the anger, the bitterness had so consumed them that it closed their eyes from being able to see, I am still love. It closed their ears from hearing, I love you. It closed up their feelings for what they felt because they did not want to feel when it came to their brother. You don't just murder your brother and feel good about it. They closed off those emotions. They battled for what they saw. They battled for what they heard. They battled for what they felt. There's such a battle. And you know what's crazy? If you take a step back in the story, if they knew the end, did Joseph have a dream about being a leader so that people could walk around and say, oh, mighty Joseph, you're the best? Joseph's dream was for one thing, save people's lives. His dream, save people's lives. His dream, it saved his brother's lives. It saved his daddy's life. His dream saved their wives, their kids. But in the moment, they couldn't see the future. They couldn't see what his dream was for because they were so consumed with hate. Every one of us, there are moments that we face right now and we get frustrated. There are things that we go through and we get stressed out. There are situations that bother us. And, and maybe like the brothers, we would like to punch somebody in the face. 
and then say, Jesus loves you. But God would say to me, God would say to you, slow down. You need to see the end and not let it bother this beginning. You need to see the end so that you're not bothered in this moment. The boys, so full of hate, so driven by anger because they couldn't see, they couldn't hear, and they did not want to feel because they didn't know how the story would end. They didn't know how the story would end. Their thoughts became so out of control. Matthew 5.21 says this, You've heard that our ancestors were told, You must not murder, and if you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But if I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment as well. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in the danger of the fires of hell. Don't we just love Jesus and the strong words that he used? He said, murder is absolutely wrong. But you know what he also said? Cursing, name calling, and getting angry. He said, in my mind, it's just the same. These boys... There was such a battle for their mind. There was such a battle for what they thought. There was such a battle for what they felt. They let everything get out of control. And how many of us this morning, we live in certain situations that you know what we do? We let it get out of control. And you know why we do that? Have you ever heard of this word coexist? Have you ever heard of this word coexist? It's funny, it gets thrown around more today than it ever has. And you know where it comes from? In the beginning, God created the garden. He made a man. He made a woman, Adam and Eve. The devil used a serpent, a snake, to talk to them. And as he talked to them, what did he say to Eve? Take a bite, because then you will know good and evil. They only knew good. But what he said to her was, let these two worlds coexist together, and it's going to be okay. Satan to you every single morning says, you need to let this lie coexist in your brain. You need to let this feeling coexist in your heart. Every single waking moment, the devil, we know that he is out to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. For these brothers in the stories that they allowed their minds to get out of control, they allowed evil to coexist inside of them. They were loved. They were loved. They were cared for. They had a home. They had all the nice stuff. They had couches and TVs. They had Xboxes and PlayStation 4s, and they had fires, and they had all this nice stuff and living things. They were wealthy people. But what happened? They allowed evil to coexist inside of them. And you know what happens to us sometimes? We allow thoughts to coexist in our brain that just don't belong. Thoughts about ourselves, thoughts about somebody else. The devil from the very beginning, what did he want to do? Let this little evil, Eve, coexist with the good that you are. Every day, what is he preaching to you, the devil? Just let a little bit of this inside of you. Just take this shot. I promise it's going to be mandated. You're going to have to do it anyway. Just let me inject a little bit of my evil into your life. Ah, it's not going to hurt, I promise. 
Ephesians 4.22 says, throw off the old nature, former way of living. It's corrupted by lust, deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thought and your attitude. Put on a new nature, created to be like God, to be righteous and holy. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, we're human, but we don't need to wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts, teach them to obey Christ, and after you become fully obedient, then punish everyone who remains disobedient. Apostle Paul speaking something so loud and so powerfully. When you become born again, he said you have to throw off the old man, the old self. No matter who you used to be, no matter what you used to do, God has a better plan. No matter how many scars remain, God has a better plan. No matter how many bad things, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, these scars will absolutely remain, but we must capture every single thought that is disobedient and rebellious. It's that evil that the devil wants you to coexist with and learn to train our brain. The boys in this story, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And they let everything get out of control. And so the story this morning, it's the story of two paths. And we see that a 70-year-old, he can show to all his older brothers, this is the kind of man you should be. For the story, this is a story of a young man, 17 years old. Yes, he was the baby. Yes, he was the youngest. But you know what? His path, his journey, every single thing that he did, I'm not going to make mistakes. Doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect, but I'm not going to let myself fall. I'm not going to get down. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to make the right choices. I'm going to have a good attitude. This story speaks of leadership. This story speaks of a man who said, I'm going to live in God's zone. I don't need to live in my zone. I don't need to live in my brother's zone. I don't need to live in my dad's zone. I need to live by what I was created for. I need to live my purpose. I need to live my dream. I need to be the man that he's made me to be. This story speaks of two choices. We can be who God created us and, how, and who he's made us to be, or we can just do like the brothers and just go along with the flow. If it's cool to hate somebody today, yeah, let's hate. If it's cool to kill somebody today, yeah, let's go ahead and kill. If it's cool to put somebody down, let's just gossip and put somebody down. Let's go ahead and stab them in the back. This story, this person describes the path and the journey that you have the choice to make every single day, every waking moment. You have the choice and the journey of the path that you take. When you wake up, the very first thing, you have the decision, what kind of attitude will I have today? What kind of heart am I going to have today? What kind of thoughts am I going to have today? What kind of person I'm going to lead like today? Every one of us in here, you are made to lead in somewhere, some way, somehow. You are a leader, even if it's just yourself and you're leading yourself. Do you lead like Joseph, the godly way, the godly attitude, no matter what happens to me? No matter what people say about me. Yep, I'm a dreamer. That's right. You can go ahead and call me a dreamer. That's okay. I'll take that. I'll be that. You have a journey of two paths in front of you every waking moment. There's a lot of bad things that happen to all of us. What path do we take? You know, there are so many different things about dreams. If you study the brain, you know that you have a conscious brain. You have a subconscious brain, 
that's a bridge to the non-conscious brain. Do you know the things that happen in you during the day? They're traveling through the conscious, subconscious, non-conscious. Things that happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, traveling through the brain. When you get a trigger, when something reminds you of the past, all of a sudden your brain starts and the non-conscious and the subconscious and the conscious brain, they're talking, they're moving, they're circulating. And you know what happens when you go to sleep? Your conscious brain shuts down. But you know what doesn't happen when you sleep? When it happens when you sleep, I mean, your non-conscious brain continues to move. And your non-conscious brain will make you have dreams. And they'll make you have dreams about the past, and they'll make you have dreams about bad things, good things, wonderful things, about dreams, about things you want, about things you don't want, things that have been said, just in our flesh, normal nature. But then you have a dream like Joseph had a dream. And he had a dream, and he, had an, he didn't understand it at 17. His dream was that basically he was going to be the leader of his brothers. And then his second dream was that he was going to lead the entire family. At 17, he has this dream. He didn't really understand it. But here's the difference between our own dreams and God-given dreams. Our own dreams are for ourselves. They make me look good. Right? And how many people, how many kids, they turn on the TV, they see singers on Disney, that I want to do that one day. How many kids, they're watching people play sports, and ah, I want to do that one day. Not a bad dream to have, but that dream is for themselves. God-given dreams, like Joseph, it wasn't for himself. Look what he went through. Look what the man's about to go through. Every one of us, there's not stuff that we would just say, go ahead and sign me up for trouble. Go, his, go ahead and sign me up to be backstabbed by my own family. Go ahead, sign me up to be thrown in a pit and sold as a slave. Go ahead and sign me up for bad things the rest of my life, for the next 20 years. Not one of us in here would just say, sounds like a good path to me. But, but for someone who has a God-given dream, what I'll go through, what I'll be willing to do. It's not for me. Because what did he learn after 20 years? He saved all of Egypt. They had no food if it wasn't for Joseph. And then who did he save? His entire family, the brother's wives, the brother's kids, everyone. God-given dreams, they're not for ourselves. They're to save lives. Our own dreams, what do they do? They're to make us feel good about ourselves. This story, it's not about a man-made dream. It's about a God-given dream. And the one thing that this man holds on to, it's the one thing that he holds so tight because every single thing for this man, he lived in his own. He grew up spoiled. He grew up favored. He grew up hated, despised, constantly talked about. In our, in our section this morning of scripture, ripped off, stripped down, and thrown into a pit. But no matter what he went through, what did he remain to do? To stay in God's zone. I'm not going to let anything affect my brain today. I'm not going to let anything affect my feelings today. There's a God-given mission for me today. It's to save people's lives, right? 
is to save people's lives. God has given us a purpose. God's given you a gift. Just like in this story, what did God give? What did Jacob give Joseph? He gave him a gift, a coat to resemble, to symbolize power and authority. This morning, God has given that to you. He has given you a gift. And in your God-given gift, you know what it does? It reflects the Father, the God-given gift that he has put on you to speak, to teach, to preach, to serve, to encourage, to heal, to pray for people and have the gift of faith to see miracles. God has given you that gift. That gift is a reflection of him but speaks of his power and authority just as it did for Jacob in this story. We're going to close our eyes and pray this morning as we wrap up and close with our eyes closed and heads bowed. You know, life's going to start moving even quicker and quicker, and life's going to start moving so faster. And as we look at the life of Joseph and we look at his story, the question arises, has it been any different than our, our lives and some of our situations? For some of us in here, we can relate to some of the things that he's gone through, loved and being hated. For Joseph in this story, he grew up in the middle of a household, and some of us can relate to that. For Joseph today, he was ripped off. He was stripped of the very gift that he had and the gift that he was given to just to reflect everything in the love of God and the love of his dad. And how many of us, every single day, the devil's out there trying to rip us off and strip us down to steal, kill and destroy and how many of us we can feel that we can see and we can sense the devil working and the devil's trying to do something and the devil's using people and this devil's using things is our story this morning so different than joseph is your story so different than joseph and the question is as we pray is how do you respond how do you live because it is the journey of two paths your leadership your attitude it speaks of where you're going. How do we lead? How do I respond? 